mountains are still being moved. Hello, and welcome to Raising the Standard with Pastor Owen Moody of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. You're invited to join us each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for an anointed full-length message from Pastor Moody. After the message, we'll be back to let you know how you can contact us. On this podcast, Pastor Moody brings us a message entitled, Joy to the World. His scripture text to be taken from the book of Luke, chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Here now, Pastor Moody. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Amen. My message title this morning is Joy to the World. Say that with me. Joy to the world. I want you, just if you can, to imagine those shepherds on that hillside that night. And all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord came. And the glory of God descended. And the earth has never been the same since. Can you say amen? Stand with me if you would. We're going to Luke chapter 2. Amen. The traditional Christmas story. We're going to read just a a couple of verses from this text. Luke chapter 2. And verse number nine, amen. The Bible says, And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory, say that with me, the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid or very scared. And the angel said unto them, here's the words, Fear not, say that with me, fear not. For behold, I bring unto you good tidings, Good news of great joy. Hallelujah. Joy to the world. Good tidings of great joy. And what's this? Which shall be to all people. I dare you to touch your neighbor and say that includes me and you. Joy to the world, for the Lord has come. Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for this wonderful season, for the beautiful songs, the worship we've enjoyed. Let your anointing come and touch us today. We thank you, Father, for everyone that's in the house. We thank you for those who are watching us by live stream. And God, we know that your glory can come there just like it comes here because your glory fills the whole earth. I pray today for those who are brokenhearted, discouraged. 2020 has been a year of turmoil and pain for a lot of people. But today, the message is still the same, joy to the world. And God, we thank you for your gift that brings joy. And everybody said, amen, amen. You can be seated. I want to take a journey back to the manger, if I can, this morning. I said this one time some years ago, preaching in the Christmas service. I said, we're always in such a hurry to get Jesus out of the manger, get him down that road of life to the cross, and then from there, to the empty tomb and back to heaven to send back the Spirit of God. But I want to, if I can, for a while today, just to keep him in the manger. Because I think it was the greatest moment the world has ever seen. Amen, up till that point when Jesus came. And can you imagine these lowly shepherds on a hillside? Now, you've got to understand that it was a caste system and shepherds were considered to be the uneducated, the lowest, the poorest. Their life consisted basically, these shepherds, of taking care of somebody else's flock. And the same as many, many nights before, they were on this hillside. They weren't expecting anything unusual to happen. Maybe an occasional wolf would have to be driven off, or as David said, maybe a lion would come that would have to be dealt with. But they were not expecting anything life-changing to take place. And then suddenly... The angel of the Lord appears. Can you imagine that? And the glory of the Lord shines around them. It's the Shekinah. It's the glory of God. It's the presence of God, amen, that had not been seen in Israel for centuries. But now shepherds in a field are being almost blinded by its brilliance. The last one of the times that we think about the glory, if I can kind of set this up for you, is when David, the Bible said, 
uh, had wanted to build a temple for God, and God wouldn't allow him, and he allowed Solomon to build it. And Solomon was years in building this glorious edifice to the name of the Lord. And uh, God said when David wanted to build him a house to dwell in, David said these words, to dwell in forever. And God said, where is a house that you can build me? The heavens can't contain me. The earth is my footstool. But he said, your son will build a house and my name will be there. And that's what Solomon did. He, he was years building this. It was, everything was gold and everything was extravagant. Nothing was spared. It was the most beautiful and expensive building that had ever been built in the world at that time. And when they finished the temple, your Bible says that they began to offer sacrifices. The scripture literally said, I read it this week, that they offered so many lambs and so many blood sacrifices, they couldn't even count them. They could not be numbered. They went into the millions, no doubt, of sacrificial lambs, amen, to dedicate this place to God. And then the scripture says in 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse number 10, it says, and it came to pass when the priest were, came out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord. Listen to the next verse. So much that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud. What was this cloud? It was the glory of the Lord and it had filled the house. It's called the Shekinah. The word Shekinah is a means, is a word that in the original Hebrew, the English transliteration literally means a settling place or a place to dwell. It means God's presence coming and sitting down in a place and upon people. It was so strong that they couldn't stand. And then the angel says, be not afraid. And this was what theologians call an epiphany when a person has a brief encounter with an angel or with God himself. Oftentimes they would fall as dead for fear. And it says the angel says to him, fear not. This was the standard admonition. But God had sent his word now to the lowliest, men who never expected to see the glory of God. And the angel says to them, be not afraid. I want to tell you this, that this message, be not afraid, is so powerful because it was a message sent to a time in history when Israel needed to hear God say, you don't have to be afraid anymore. Can somebody say amen? I, I thought like this, Israel was under a cruel Roman oppression. Your Bible teaches that they toiled under the heavy-handed treatment and the taxing of the Romans. And literally, the Bible teaches us that when Mary and Joseph came to Bethlehem, it was a time of taxing, just not just a time of census, but you had to return to your own place of birth. And they, So they went back to Bethlehem, which was Joseph's nativity, and it was the place of David. It was the place where Jesus, uh, the baby, would be born. And they went there for the purpose of being counted and paying these exorbitant taxes. So now, all of a sudden, they were threatened even with their lives if they didn't submit. It was a term all time. Can you say amen? When I was thinking about this message, I began to think about 2020. And we've heard so many uh, things said about it. We've had the COVID, the pandemic. We've had all kinds of things that have happened in our nation that have caused uncertainty and unrest. Looking around this congregation this morning, every one of us have had times of sorrow, times of hurt and loss. This church has suffered a lot of loss this year by people going on to heaven. Can I get a witness? I want somebody to hear what I'm saying. If there was ever a time that we need to hear a word from God that says you don't have to be afraid, you don't have to fear anymore. If there was ever a time that we need to have a visitation, I feel the Lord right now, of something supernatural. If there was ever a time 
time that the Holy Spirit needs to give a word or an angel needs to stop by and say joy to the world. Hallelujah. The Lord has come. I want to tell you that this is a great time for us to celebrate. Listen, Israel hadn't heard from God in over 400 years and Jesus was born at a time when the nation, no, when the world, amen, the world was under Roman oppression. That empire needed to fall and so God sent an angel and the glory of the Lord came and the angel said, I bring you good tidings, not just of joy, but great joy. You know, I thought like this, that nation Israel and the world, they were waiting for a deliverer. They were waiting for a savior, amen, for Israel. Someone they thought that would come riding in on a white steed with an army and overthrow Rome and the oppression. They, they thought that this would be a national deliverance. But I want to tell you the angel's message was not one of national deliverance. But his message, are you ready, was one of personal salvation. Hallelujah. You see, shepherds had nothing to do with the moving and the shaking of government. Shepherds had no control over what armies would do. I want to tell you today that the answer to every dilemma, to every broken heart, to every painful existence, the answer to every addiction, to every failure of morality, to every failed marriage, to every home that's been broken up by death or divorce or whatever, the answer is not a national answer. It's a personal Savior. Hallelujah. So joy to the world. The Lord has come. Give him praise, if you would. You know, I, I told the early service, I said, people today are crying. People are hurting. They're crying out for help. They're crying out for deliverance. Are you hearing me? And uh, many of them are praying for deliverance from things like debt, bad marriages, alcoholism, drug problems. Can somebody say Amen unfair treatment, other people's sins that have made them live hard. Some are crying out for help because they've, they've lost a loved one this year to death that they thought they couldn't survive. But I want to tell you what Jesus comes is to bring a personal relationship with the holy God. Amen, unto you is born in the city of David. It seemed like this week that's been rolling over and over in my spirit. Joy to the world. The world should be happy because unto you, unto me, personally, a, salv a salvation has been made available. A God that doesn't just you know, give us things, but a God who gave himself to come and live in our hearts. How many can say, thank God, I've got Jesus. I may have had the COVID. I may have went through the pandemic. This may have been, you know, for months on my message titles, amen, and you can see it on my computer. If you could see this page, you'd see it right now. What I always do in my outline is I put the name of my, of my message, my title, then I put my scripture reference, and then I put the date, and right below every, every time for months, I've I put these words, during the pandemic. And I did that not just to remind myself that the pandemic was here. No, we can never forget that. But I did it to remind myself that during the pandemic, the Holy Ghost was still talking to me. <laughs> yeah, the Holy Ghost was still giving me a word from heaven. The Holy Ghost was still serving up fresh bread. Joy, joy, joy to the world. Oh, Oh, hallelujah. Would you just take a moment and shout for joy? Would you take a moment and say glory to God in the highest unto us, unto us was born a Savior. Hallelujah. Joy. Oh, yeah. Oh, the world may fall apart. The government may self-destruct. The stock market may crash. The banks may close. But I've got joy because I've got a Savior. Hallelujah. Whoa. Jesus, Jesus. Oh, what a wonderful child. Jesus, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, what a Savior. Amen. Let me go on, let me go on. You can be seated, praise God. There are some elements of this story that, 
God, man, I feel the Lord. God pointed out to me that are still present today. You, you may not get a new iPhone or a new gaming console. I was at one of the stores the other day over at Costco and a man, uh, there was a return line. I went to return something that I bought that wouldn't fit me. <laughs> it was supposed to, but... It <laughs> And we were in the return line already. The return line was lined up all the way outside. And there was a man in front of me. He had one of those flat carts, and he had a, a Pac-Man game console on a pedestal, a big, huge thing. And he was rolling it back in. And a friend of his came by and stopped. And I wasn't eavesdropping, but I was right behind him. I couldn't help but overhear the conversation. And a friend said, you're bringing this back? He said, oh, yeah. He said, this wasn't what they wanted. He said, we couldn't find what they wanted, so we got this, and we thought this would work. But it wasn't what they wanted. So the guy said, what are you going to do? He said, I found what they wanted online. I thought they were going to start shouting over a game console. And I heard on the news just on the way over there, on the radio, I heard them making this statement. They said that the, the, the stock for one of those companies had went through the roof because they had been able to supply the gaming console for Pac-Man. And these other, these other games, these used to be Atari games, I guess. And I'm, and I'm standing there listening to this conversation, trying to take back what I had. And uh, when, I, when I was thinking like this, you may not get what you want for Christmas. You, you may not be able to afford what you want for Christmas. I mean, Christmas has evolved into this mega uh, economic impact. I mean, the day after Thanksgiving is now Black Friday. Well, this year they had it for two months before Thanksgiving. I, I didn't understand that. but Because retailers live and die by the Christmas shoppers. Are you all with me? Don't feel guilty. I'm not preaching condemnation. I'm just telling you. I might interject that some churches live and die because of Christmas shopping. Tell them, let me go on. <laughs> Financially. <laughs> but you may not get what you want. But God said, joy to the world. For unto you is born in the city of David a Savior. And he's Christ, which means the anointed one. He's the Lord, which means he's God in the flesh. He's Jesus, which means Savior. And he came to save us from our sin. Hallelujah. What a wonderful story. I I want to say there's some things in the story that are here. First of all, the glory. I mentioned the Hebrew word means the Shekinah. It's, it's literally, in the English transliteration, the dwelling or settling of the divine presence of God in a place. And when, when Solomon was dedicating that temple, he said to the Lord, he said, suppose the nation sins, and because of our sin, we get carried off into captivity. And we don't, we can't be at this house. And, and the enemy overtakes us and overtakes our temple. And we're in bondage somewhere like they ended up in Babylon. Can I get a witness? They ended up in Babylon. And, uh, and, and, and uh, also the Assyrian overtook them. And so he says, if we just look back toward this place where your name is and pray, will you deliver us? And so God answers him, the glory's in that house. And God, the glory makes the difference, folks. It's, it's where God is. You gotta get this if you don't get nothing else. That temple is where God affixed his name. And even though they may have sinned and been driven out, how many of you understand that back there in Jerusalem, in that holy of holies, the glory was still there. And when nobody could drive it out, hallelujah. And so God then speaks these famous words, amen, to Solomon, and Solomon records it and says, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, look back toward my place, he said, I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land and I will be their God. They can revisit the glory, the settling place, the Shekinah. The good news is that a lot of gods of this world that the other people worship 
worship. They don't even know him. They don't know who he is. They don't know where to find him. Can you say amen? But God said, I'm going to send you a glory that the whole world's going to see. And not only did that angel show up and say, unto you, you know, glory to God in the highest, unto you is born in the city of David, a Savior, a good tidings, a great joy. But then your Bible says a multitude. They sang it this morning, here comes heaven. When Jesus was born and laid in that manger, amen, the multitude of the heavenly host, the sky was filled with them, the countryside was filled with them, and they were all saying, glory to God in the highest, and watch this, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. God's favor is here because of that baby. Are you with me? It's the glory. You gotta understand something about the glory. I gotta get you where you're hungry for the glory. I mean, sometimes we say glory to God, we all just say glory to God. Glory, glory, hallelujah. I gotta get you to understand in the glory this morning. Look at your neighbor and say, now pay attention, he's about to tell you something, praise God, about the glory. The Bible said in Exodus 24 and 15 that Moses went up into the mountain and a cloud covered the mountain. He's going up there to get the law of God, the commandments. And it says in verse 16, and the glory of the Lord, the Shekinah, because it settled, it abode there. That's where the Shekinah was. That's where the presence of God's glory was. Upon the mountain Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days, and the seventh day, watch this, he called Moses, he called unto Moses, out of the midst of the cloud. And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire upon the mountain. Now, you gotta get this, the glory at this time causes fear because man is living under the curse of Adam and man is not worthy to come into the glory but God selects a man by the name of Moses, calls him up on the mountain and the glory upon the mountain was like a devouring fire on top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. Moses went up into the cloud and got him up to the mount and Moses was in the mountain in the glory of God 40 days. Now, stay with me. Amen. David wrote this psalm, and I told Nick in the early service, I said, he wrote it to the chief musician, to the, to the song leader. And I said, so you need to be careful because sometimes the leader's gonna walk in and say, I wrote this, you gotta sing it. And Nick just looked at me like, really? Not because I'm a songwriter, but God might give me something. Are you with me? And so, he said to him, I want you to write this and I want the nation to sing it. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament stretches out his handiwork, shows his handiwork. That literally means that the creation is preaching the glory of God. Amen. Day unto day utter speech and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech, no language where their voice is not heard. And then he says they're without excuse. Now, Drop down to verse 13 of Psalm 19. And David, in response to this, says, Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. What's he saying? He's saying, where the glory of God is, I cannot just presume upon the grace of God. I cannot just go about committing sin like it, like it doesn't mean anything. But the Bible said if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of his son cleanses us from all unrighteousness. David was saying, where the Shekinah is, where the glory is, there's a demand that, heaven de that the heavens declare and the creation declare declares, you need to worship God. I said this this morning. I read one time of every ancient civilization that's ever been found. There's been a record of two things. Amen. Even though they never read a Bible or never heard a preacher, they have a record of a creator, a creation, and a worldwide flood. They know there's a God and they know he judges. Can somebody say amen? I want to tell you if you and I can just get an understanding that the glory of God declares today that we need to come to the presence of the Lord. Listen to Paul's commentary about Moses coming down from that mountain. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter three and verse number seven, he said, but if the ministration of death written and engraved in stones, let me explain that. The commandments 
amen, tended to death. If you violated the commandments, you would die. Those commandments were what you had to do to stay in the presence of God. Without it, you would die. And he said, so it's the ministration of death, written in the engraved in stones. It was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses, for the glory of his countenance was to be done away. You know what that means? He came off the mountain from receiving the commandments 40 days in the presence of God. The Bible relates that his face so shined with the glory of God that they couldn't even look at him. He had to put a veil over his face to come down. So Paul goes on and uh, begins to speak just a little bit more about this. And uh, he said, but even under this day, Amen, verse 15, 2 Corinthians 3. When Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, if they turn to Christ, the veil will be taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, come on somebody, there is liberty. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass, in a mirror, the mirror of this word, are changed into the same image. Amen, we behold the glory of the Lord and we're changed. When we get in the presence of Christ, we come from being a sinner to being a Christian. Can I get a witness? We come from being lost to being saved. We come from going to hell to going to heaven. Are you with me? It says we're changed from glory to glory. Amen. Hallelujah. Even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So one of the things that's present today, every time we sing a song, every time we pray a prayer, every time we preach a sermon and we do it in the name of Jesus. God has promised his glory to come. Are you with me? That's why you can have a miserable week, have had a horrible year. You can walk through a week and feel like a failure. Walk in the house of God and somebody gets up and starts to sing about Jesus. That's the settling place. That brings the Shekinah. I'm about to get happy. Amen. It doesn't matter how much I fail this week when I come in and the They're singing Jesus and they're praying Jesus and they're preaching Jesus. The glory is in the house. Hallelujah. Give him praise if you would. Hallelujah. That's why a lot of people don't want to come to church. That's why a lot of people have decided, well, since the COVID's out, we just won't go back. One guy called me and said, This may be the new normal. I said, the devil is a liar. God's word said not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And we are patient and we're considerate. And I know there are exceptions and people with health issues that need to be at home. And if you're sick and got symptoms of the COVID, please stay home. But when we come in the house, come on somebody. And when you watch that live stream and they start singing about Jesus and you begin to feel some move on you. (laughs) And when we start praying and when we start preaching and all of a sudden, I want to tell you, it's the glory because that's the Shekinah. The dwelling is with Jesus, can you say amen? The glory's always gonna be with Jesus. Can I get a witness? Hallelujah. I'm, I'm prophesying here. I'm going to tell you that every time you come in the house, we're going to say Jesus and you're going to feel God. Come on, somebody. I ain't preaching Muhammad. I ain't preaching little fat belly Buddha. I ain't preaching the 120 million gods of the Hindus. I'm preaching Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Hallelujah good tidings of great joy for unto you is born unto you is born in the city a savior and his name is Jesus let me let me go on the second thing that the that the, that this message brings that's still with us today not just the Shekinah, I could preach all day on the glory don't get nervous i'm moving on but the second thing is the absence of fear Do you think it coincidental 
or amazing that the first thing that an angel that has just come, are y'all watching me, that an angel, let me talk to the camera, an angel that has just come from the presence of God says, listen, I know we've been terrified, horrified, they're preaching it every day on the news three or four times a day, everybody you talk to is preaching fear, 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 but I hear an angel come right out of the throne room of heaven, and the first thing he says is fear not, hallelujah. <laughs> you see, I ain't afraid. I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm bad to the bone right at this very moment. I'm feeling something can let me whoop any devil in or out of hell that wants to try me. Right now, can somebody help me? It's the Shekinah. Fear not. Jesus gives us a reason not to fear. Let's never say, you ain't got to be afraid if he's here. Because when you say Jesus, hey, trust me, it works in the car. It works in the bathroom with the door shut, in the shower. Y'all ever shout out of the shower? Come on, somebody. It works when your family's together and suddenly tragedy is hit and, and everybody's wringing their hands. They don't know what to do. And somebody stands up and says, oh, Jesus. Ooh. That's all I gotta do is just say, oh, Jesus. Well, I feel, I feel like my beard's growing while I'm preaching. There's something on me, praise God. Let me go on. Somebody told me, he said, that guy's crazy. I said, he's a nut. I said, yeah, but I'm screwed on the right bolt. Amen. Let me go on. You see, I don't have to have fear. I have got the absence of fear in my journey. I'm on a journey to a city, four square. Are you with me? And when, when Isaac went to the valley of Gerar and he started digging out the wells that his father Abraham had dug, stay with me, and he had dug out those wells because the, the inhabitants of the land, they didn't want them there. God had promised them the land. He gave it to Abraham. Wherever you set your foot, it's yours. He walked there. It belonged to Isaac, but the inhabitants of the land filled up the wells so they wouldn't have any water because they were nomadic herdsmen by trade. And so he went, the Bible says that they tried to resist him, but God spoke to him about his journey. Here's what the Lord said, Genesis 26 and 24. The Lord appeared unto him and unto Isaac, unto him the same night and said to him, I am the God of Abraham, thy father. Watch this, fear not, because I'm with you. And I will bless you and multiply your seed for my servant Abraham's sake. You don't have to be afraid, I'm with you. I want, y I want young people to get this. I want middle-aged people to get this. I want old people that are about ready to go to the nursing home to get this. It doesn't matter what stage of life you're in. If it's in school and the peer pressure is to drink, drug, sex, whatever the pressure is that they're trying to get you to do, don't be afraid to say Jesus. Just say it. Trust me, they'll change their attitude when you say Jesus. Amen. You just mentioned Jesus. That's all you got to do. And, and not only is God doesn't want us to fear in our journey, but about our supply, what we need. The scripture said when Elijah went to the widow of Zarephath and said, make me a cake. And she said, I've just got a handful of meal, a little bit of oil. I'm going to eat it and I'm hunting for some wood. Me and my son's going to eat it and die. And notice what, what Elijah says to her. Elijah says to her in 1 Kings 17 and 13, fear not. Say it with me, fear not. Go and do as you've said, but make me thereof a little cake first and bring it to me and after make one for you and your son. For thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel. You don't have to be afraid. Am I, am I preaching this all right? My God will supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Paul said that, but Elijah says, the God of Israel he says, your meal barrel will never run out. Your cruise of oil will never fail. Until the day that this stinking drought is over, God will provide for you. How many believes that? People are all tore up about the election and who's going to win and who's not going to win. I'm more concerned about a, a sacred electoral process that we've had in this country being, being defiled and betrayed and done away with than I am about which exactly one's going to be in the office. 
I hope I don't upset nobody with that, but that's just me. I, I, I'm reading a book about the Constitution and the Federalist Papers and, and the things that the, the founders intended, and, and there's a lot of opinions about this, but I think some things in this country are worth fighting for. Matter of fact, some of us have. You with me have fought for it. Amen. And so I don't have to be afraid because I believe God is going to take care of me. The third thing I want you to understand that we see in this is protection. Unto you is born in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And when we understand that God offers protection to us, we don't have to be afraid of the enemy. No weapon formed against us can prosper. In the book of 2 Kings chapter 6, amen, there was a story there about the prophet of God and Israel and Syria were at war with each other and every time that the Syrians would start to move against Israel, God would speak to the prophet Elijah and tell him, tell the king don't go that way because they're coming that way to try to head you off. And finally one day the king of Syria got angry and said, who is it that's against us? Is there a spy in our midst? And no one of them said, uh, said uh, no, but there's a prophet of God. <laughs> <laughs> in Israel, and he's telling the king what you say in your bedchamber. God provides protection for us. Listen, he says in 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 13, he tells me, he says, go spy where he is, that I can send and capture him, fetch him. And it was told him, said, behold, Tom Elijah, he is in Dothan. He said, therefore, uh, he sent horses and chariots and a great host, a big army. They came by night. They surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, behold, the host compassed the city, horses and chariots, and the servant said unto him, Alas, let me, let me translate that. Oh, my God, what are we going to do? Notice his response, verse 16. Say it with me. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Why? For they that are with us are more than those that are with them. Wait a minute. It just means you know it's me and you and God. And that ensures the victory. Can you say amen? So there's protection. You and I don't even have to be afraid when we face death. How I many understand that? The Bible says in Revelation chapter 1, Jesus, John is on the aisle. He's seeing a vision. He sees Jesus, hair like wool, eyes like fire, feet like uh, burned in a furnace, a voice that sounds like roaring waters when he speaks. And when he says, when I saw him, I fell on the ground like a dead man. And he says in verse 17, Amen. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me. And the first thing Jesus says to him is, fear not. I'm the first, I'm the last. I was alive, I'm he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore, and I have the keys to death and hell. You don't have to be afraid of what tomorrow holds, even if it's death for a child of God. You know, I said this earlier this morning. I said, for 40-some years, I've preached hundreds, probably thousands of funerals. And I've stood with so many families, brokenhearted, fearful, not knowing what they were going to do. And I've tried to encourage them, if that person was a Christian, you don't have to be afraid. They've gone to be with Jesus. And if he could carry them over, he'll take care of you if you'll trust him. Amen. And the last thing that I see in the story that we have here is a Savior. I want to say that, a Savior. Say it with me. The Savior. Jesus, born to you in the city of David, is a Savior, and he's Christ the Lord. And the angels declared it. The Holy Ghost would some days later witness that he was, in fact, who they said. The Scripture said in John chapter 2, verse 25, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same, it says, was a just and devout man waiting on the hope of Israel, the consolation of Israel. And it says, and the Holy Ghost was upon him, and it was revealed to him by the Holy Ghost that he would not see death. He wouldn't die till he had seen the Lord's Christ. He came 
by the Spirit, led of the Holy Ghost into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do after him according to the custom of the law, to record him in, in, the, in the, the record of Israel, to circumcise him and, and to make him a part of the inheritance of God, doing what the law uh, and what the custom tremended, demanded. It said, when Simeon saw him in verse number 28, he took him in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace according to your word because my eyes have seen your salvation, a Savior. You know, I don't know where our world is going. I don't know what, or somebody said today, I don't know what our country's coming to. And I said, I know what they need to come to. They need to come to Jesus. I don't know what the political environment's gonna be a month or two months from now. Neither do you. I don't know what it's gonna be like by the time the spring of the year rolls around. But there's one thing I do know. I know that Jesus is still the Savior. I know Hebrews 7, 25 said he's able to save to the uttermost, completely, amen, to the uttermost, amen, to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing that he ever lives to make intercession for them. It's Jesus alone who is our Savior. Now, hear me. When I was a child, I was scared of death. Storms scared me. I, if something happened, I was afraid I would die. And, and looking back, there was a reason for that. Before I was four years old, my brothers and I stood and watched our mother die. About a year later, a year or so later, she had a younger sister killed in a car wreck. It seemed like I watched death come time after time after time. And then, in 1978, I knelt at an altar and Jesus came into my heart and the fear of death left me. There's been some times, one time 20 years ago, a doctor told me I wouldn't live a year. Boy, was he wrong. Because I don't fear death. Because I know where I'm going. I'm closer now than I've ever been. I've got fewer days ahead of me than I do behind me, naturally speaking. But I'm not scared of it. Because Paul would write and say, death, where's your sting? Grave, where's your victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gave us the victory through our Savior, our Lord, Jesus Christ. Wherefore, beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord because you know your work, your labor in Him is not in vain. Jesus saved us forever. And, and we don't work to get saved. We work because we are saved. And we're going to that city. Can I get a witness? So there in Bethlehem, the angel, the host, the glory, Everything there pointed to one thing, the Savior. Christmas is about the Savior. Do you know Him? You know, life can be tough. I thought about my dad, lost the bride of his youth. I think when they were 26, 27 years old mother of his children he had to bury her one time years later I asked dad I said how long did it take you to get over that I'll never forget this he looked me right in the eye and said I can't tell you I never have he's married to a wonderful lady they, they lived together 45 years before he passed had two wonderful children God blessed him the second time around but he knew what pain was he lost a wife he lost a son then we watched our dad the last six years of his life go through Alzheimer's. The last two years of his life, there was no communicating with him. Couldn't talk to him. He couldn't answer you. He couldn't. One day, he could pick up the phone and call you. With Alzheimer's, they have something they call drops, I guess. And 
One day he could pick up the phone and call you. The next day, my stepmother said he was in the house, the phone room, and he just stood and looked at it because he didn't know what it was. Didn't know how to respond to it. We watched him decline. I guess one of the last intelligible things, or maybe the last intelligible thing he ever said, he was sitting at the breakfast bar and she had to spoon feed him at this point. And she's feeding him. And she said, all of a sudden a smile broke over his face. He just stopped eating. She said, John, what are you thinking about? She knew it was a moment. Something was happening. What are you thinking about? And so he looked at her and smiled and said, my boys. She said, you thinking about the boys? Nod his head, the last thing he ever said that she could understand. I told Sister Gail two nights ago I had a dream. I don't know why. But in this dream, she and I were sitting in a little restaurant. It's a little place, little tables, wooden chairs, little waitress walking around, cooking back in the back. Something like maybe what her mom and dad used to run out on the east end of town. We're in this restaurant. She and I sitting there talking, laughing, enjoying ourselves. And I look up and there's a man walking through the door and it's my dad. And he's not shuffling his feet anymore. He's not frail. He's 6'2". And he's got that wavy black hair. He was a handsome rascal. A lot of women from that generation said that was a good looking man. I'm just telling you. And he walked through the door. I'll never forget this. Mikey had on black dress pants and his black shoes were shined. And in the army, they call it our gig line. That's your shirt line, your zipper line, perfectly straight, that belt. He was sharp. And he had on a black waist-length jacket. I, I don't know why that was so vivid. And he walked in and I said, Dad, I never thought about seeing you again. Not on this side. I, didn't, I never thought about seeing you here today. I said, what's wrong? He said, nothing's wrong there's just some things I needed to come and tell you my wife's dad died Hansel Sparks was saved in this church Hansel Margaret used to run the blue moon rough as the day was long they both got saved, got filled with the Holy Ghost. Hansel used to drink a case of beer and a fifth of whiskey a day. Passed out in his bass boat about every time he went fishing. Had a, a dirt track race car. Drunk. He was a drunk. He got saved in this church. We was building it. He'd pull up my driveway, live down the yard, down the street here, and he'd pull up the driveway and he'd sit there and he'd say, there's just something about you people. I can't stay away from you. My father-in-law had witnessed to him and I said, Hansel, it's Jesus. Tears well up in his eyes. He had that that Ford truck called Black Gold. He was a Ford man. He drove off in that truck. One day in the blue building, I was preaching. And I never go back to people, but God said, you need to go tell him. And I, I walked back there to him and I said, Hansel, I said, the Lord's calling you if you don't understand what's going on, man. I said, he, you need Jesus. He'll save you. I'll never forget his response. Big tears. His shirt. He had a big old belly where he drank so much beer and he always wore polo shirts. And, and that, that lap was soaked with where tears had dripped down on his belly. And he looked up at me and said, I think you know what you're talking about. Till the altar he went, that man got saved. Right after we built this church, Faye was up here singing one time, singing, when he sees me, he sees the blood of the lamb. And Hansel got up out of his seat and started walking up here. I was sitting over here. He walked up to me and said, God, just fill me with the Holy Ghost and took off speaking in tongues. He's in heaven today. But here's my story. Herman had been dead for some time. And Hansel died after him and in a dream, Hansel, I was in this church and it wasn't this church, it was another church and they was having all kinds of problems and they were talking to me about it. The place was full, it was a huge church. But double doors, it looked just like those. I was standing on the platform with the pastor and we were talking and I looked and the doors opened and there came Hansel walking right down the aisle. He walked right up to me smiling. He didn't have on robes, he had on a polo shirt. 
Last time I seen him, he was laying on a bed dead as yellow as a pumpkin. Where his liver had failed. But his color was perfect and with a gleam in his eye. I said, Hey, so what are you doing here? You're supposed to be in heaven. He said, I was. But I had to come back and tell you something. I said, What? He said, I saw Brother Herman. <laughs> and he said, You won't believe how good he looks. And I'm thinking, Rascal, have you looked in the mirror? I think that's craziness but the spirit of God does those things Jesus unto you some of you have had to give up a husband a dad a brother a child but Jesus wants you to know I've got them it's okay if they said my name it's okay let me believe that that's what Christmas is. Joy to the world. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Stand with me, would you, Father? In the name of Jesus. I love you, Lord, and I thank you for hope and joy and peace, mercy. I thank you, God, for heaven and all that it holds and for the reality of sins forgiven. I pray right now that you touch every life in this place. If there's anybody here who doesn't know you, anybody here who has lost sight of you, let them turn their hearts to you and come to you and be saved before it's too late. Joy that only Jesus can bring is waiting. Peace that only Jesus can bring is waiting. Absence of fear, the glory is waiting. Wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. A savior for me for you for every individual in the world and for the world while your heads bowed your eyes closed I want to ask this question maybe you've had a lot of Christmases and you've gotten a lot of gifts but is there anybody here that's never received the gift of the savior and that's eternal life you've never been saved is that you would you just slip up your hand and say pray for me I don't want to miss him this Christmas. God bless you, honey. Somebody else, just slip up your hand and pray for me. Pray for me. Is there anybody else? How many would say, Pastor, I've been saved, but I've kind of lost sight of that gift and how precious it was. I've let the world overtake me and the cares and the problems. That you, would you slip up your hand and say, pray for me. I want to revisit the manger this year. I want Jesus to be my Savior. Hallelujah. I want you to look this way. greatest gift that anybody could ever receive is the gift of Christ himself in their life born again, saved become a new creature on your way to heaven and it doesn't matter if cancer or COVID or a car wreck takes you out you're going to be with Jesus once you have him is this alright? if you raise your hand and said I need, a, I need Christ, will you come when he sings and, and just meet me here, I want to pray with you or if you've drifted away from God, if you didn't raise your hand, or if you did or not, come meet me here. I want to pray with you. If you need to be restored and you need healing or whatever it might be, just come. We want to pray with you. While he sings, will you come? Come quickly. Don't let the enemy talk you out of it. We hope you enjoyed today's message and we'll tune in again next time. Raising the Standard is the media ministry of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. For more information on the various outreaches and ministries of the Richmond House of Prayer, please visit our website at www.rhop.life. Thanks for listening.